the real estate isn't there to catch up to the demand just yet. So it's absolutely a growth opportunity. If you can control it now, you're in a better position than perhaps having to build and buy and compete with those who want to get into the space in the future. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very, very special guest, Warren Wilkinson, Managing Director, Colliers, Ottawa. Warren, I'm really excited to do this podcast today. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're very busy. How are you doing today? Yeah, no, I'm doing well, Mateo. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. That's good. So, Warren, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, sure. So, Warren Wilkinson, uh, Managing Director, Collier's Ottawa Brokerage. I've been in the commercial real estate world professionally for 21 years. I am, however, a uh, byproduct of the industry since I was a young man. My father, Barry Wilkinson, was a property manager for well over 33 years in the national capital area, managed properties here in Ottawa and in Montreal, in fact. So it's been a part of my life for uh, much longer than uh, the, the 46 years that I have under my belt so far. Professionally, again, 21 years, 19 of those years has been with Colliers. 14 of them were as an industrial advisor here at Colliers, where I was uh, one of Ottawa's top producers, uh, recognized in the community as an industrial expert for Quite a few years. I was a, a panelist as well as a moderator for the industrial panel for the Ottawa Real Estate Forum. In 2019, however, there was an opportunity for me to transition myself and my business really, I guess, out of sales and into the managing director role. And uh, I did that. I felt there was a real need and, and more importantly, an opportunity to kind of see a, a vision and a mission I had for the, the Collier's office in Ottawa to kind of really grow to, to its, its rightful place in the Ottawa market as the number one commercial real estate brokerage uh, by way of sales volumes and advisor staff and headcount within the national capital region. And uh, frankly, uh, Matteo, I won't be satisfied until we're considered the only choice for commercial real estate professionals, either deal-making and or employment opportunities kind of in the national capital region. Wow, that's very good. So, uh, Warren, what are real estate alternative assets and how are they different from typical real estate assets like uh, office or multifamily? Yeah, okay, so great question. Uh, why don't I start, I'll back up a little bit. In addition to uh, my role locally here as running the Ottawa brokerage office, I really wanted to kind of put an opportunity to get me more on the national platform. So uh, with the, the help of our, our president of brokerage, Daniel Holmes, out of the GTA, we've developed a national alternative assets team, which is a group of advisors uh, or agents, depending on what's more comfortable for your listeners, that specialize in kind of a wide variety of alternative assets. And alternative assets uh, would be something that's you know non-traditional. So earlier I mentioned what we do here, we, we sell and lease office, industrial and retail. You can consider those as your traditional assets. And alternative assets kind of goes a little bit deeper. So uh, alternative assets effectively would be senior living, palliative care, long-term care homes, uh, student housing in and around colleges and universities, medical slash dental offices that are specifically designed for those practitioners, uh, self-storage, life sciences, data and digital centers, education and manufactured homes. Manufactured homes 
is a is a nice way of of, of saying like the colloquial term would be uh, trailer parks. So that's kind of how we see alternative assets. Now, any one of those could easily lump themselves into the traditional asset classes, but they're highly specialized, in fact. So we've started to break them out. And they're becoming a more sought-after asset class, uh, especially since the pandemic and the return from the pandemic. And why is that? Uh, Well, a lot of our investors, the traditional asset classes aren't performing as well. So they're looking at these alternative assets as different places to place their capital. Now, that's not true across all markets, especially as it relates to industrial. Industrial is doing very well. But we'll use office as an example. And uh, everybody knows that, especially in major urban centers and downtown cores, the office vacancy and the performance has taken a bit of a hit. So your traditional real estate investor may be looking, and I say may be looking, not always, at alternative assets in order as a, in order to, to place their capital. Okay, that's very good. So the main reason why uh, alternative assets have become more popular is because of office underperforming? Is that the only reason? Could there be any other reasons? Oh, no, absolutely. There's a significant amount of reasons. It's not just for office uh, that may or may not be performing well, because quite frankly, they might not be performing well for the current owners. And I'm referring to office at this point, but we're seeing a lot of new entrants even into the Ottawa market. You know, the, with, with the good comes the bad. There's always the, the up and down of a real estate cycle. Office will come back with no doubt. So population growth, aging population, larger student populations, healthcare delivery. How is it delivered in Canada? How is it delivered differently province to province? Life sciences spending, you know, the need to have secure data. We are, <laughs> we are a, a, a population of hoarders. And so self-storage, you know, you, you're going to keep a lot of this stuff. There's whatever your reasons are, you need to put it somewhere. Also with uh, housing crunches, manufactured homes and housing prices, like the, the, the amount of housing that's available with the cost of housing, perhaps manufactured homes slash uh, trailer parks are, are, are a new and more affordable way for people to get into that level of housing market. So there's a lot of, I guess you would say, demand drivers that are dictating why these alternative assets are becoming more attractive to a variety of of investors. In terms of alternative assets becoming more attractive to investors, what should investors look out for when conducting due diligence on alternative assets? Well, each one of them's different. They all have their own challenges. And so I'll kind of go through some of the hot ones. But uh, seniors housing, you're going to want to focus on kind of the high-end product. Seniors housing, as we heard, unfortunately, through the pandemic, took a significant PR hit. Also, when you're running these, you have to take a look at food price cost increases due to uh, foodflation or food inflation, right? The cost associated with running these, whereas before could have been budgeted easily on a 2 to 3% annual CPI index increase. Who knows how much a loaf of bread is going to cost in 12 months, let alone 12 days. So, you know, the, the increased operating costs for food and beverage has a significant impact on the performance of the senior housing. So again, I'll end off each one with proper due diligence. Let's talk about um, student housing. It's a huge area of opportunity. Enrollment in Canadian schools, you know, despite pressures to reduce the number of international students, is on the incline, right? I mean, we've got more students going to post-secondary education and they need somewhere to go. Only 15% of Canada, you know, of Canadian students kind of live on, on campus. 
which is significantly different than the UK and the United States. A significant more of them live uh, in student housing that's off campus. So there's potential upside for student housing. So again, proper due diligence on your demand drivers for student housing. Storage, so self-storage, those are short-term leases. There's not rent control and self-storage, obviously, but it kind of gives you that limitless opportunity to make proper market adjustments. And, and again, that's supply and demand. Increase in those units hasn't been as strong as it is in like the U.S. market. So Canada lags behind a little bit. Also, you need to understand who the good operators are and who the bad operators are. Right? You need to be careful. You know, you have to watch the strategy and you have to make sure that they've got competitive market dynamics in the area. Medical dental office. It's a bit of a, a bifurcated market. Uh, the old traditional two-story medical dental offices uh, where you'd have 700 square feet per doctor and you'd have the name on the door with a little area for your shoes because they didn't want to scuff up and dirty their carpet in the winter. A lot of that stuff is becoming a little bit more passe, right? You're getting more a grouping of physicians, a grouping of, of, of dental practitioners that are actually occupying larger spaces as one. So, you know, you share the common elements, you're sharing uh, exam rooms, you're sharing common spaces for your patients. It's not as that one doctor's office off to the corner. Life sciences, again, depends on the investments by big pharma, government spending. That's going to be some of those demand drivers for the success of the life sciences. It's there. Uh, however, the real estate needs to catch up. So uh, and it's also specifically built. So it's highly uh, particular. As, so they're more built to suits as opposed to your, your cookie cutter, single story office building in the suburbs. It's highly specialized with either proper filtration system for air or raised floor for wiring or uninterrupted power supplies for cold storage. Right. So there's a significant amount of that highly specialized use for, for life sciences. Last one I'll touch on. Uh, is digital, right? So these obviously have to be highly powered facilities that run with uninterrupted power supply. It has to be on green energy. So a lot of uh, a lot of ESG, uh, especially as it relates to the E in uh, environmental and social governance. And frankly, we're underserviced in Canada, and we need to build more. So again, like life sciences, the digital or data centers, you know, the demand is there. It's just the real estate needs to to keep up. So. Those are some of the demand drivers that we're seeing. Some, those are some of the uh, the due diligence that your investor would need in order to make an educated decision as to whether or not a particular alternative asset class is something that they would want to move forward. I'll touch on manufactured housing. Those are really land plays as well, right? So you have to understand the, the highest and best use and the future potential of the site that you're putting this manufactured housing or what you're purchasing um, you know, what's the what's the highest and best use? What's the potential future density on some of these on transit oriented future development? I'm thinking in Ottawa, particularly about phase three light rail. You might have picked one up two years ago and thought to yourself, that's great. The LRT and phase three is going to run right by here. But now they might not build phase three. So a lot of those things are the, uh, the on the due diligence side that you need to look for when investing in alternative assets. Obviously, you mentioned different alternative asset types. Is there one in particular that's more popular than others? I'd say um, for the longest time, the kind of the bell of the ball really was was well conversions for student housing, um, as well as as well as self storage. And I'm biased only because we have uh, such a huge self storage expert within the Ottawa office. 
uh, not only on our valuation and advisory side, but our uh, brokerage side as well. So I would say that those were, but where I think we're going to start seeing, where we're going to start seeing some real movement is in our life sciences. And that's got a lot to do with the potential investment. Maybe not so much in the greater Ottawa area, but certainly the uh, greater Ontario region down in the GTA. Life sciences is an area of huge potential growth. And we're seeing a lot of experts look to that space in order to uh, help assist their clients. That's very good. And what are some emerging trends in alternative assets? I don't know if it's so much of an emerging trend. Great question, by the way. I will say that the barriers of entry, it's hard to get into these sectors. So if you're educated in it and you have good market research and a good advisor to help you through, it's an attractive investment strategy for you. I would also say that a lot of these areas are highly fragmented in Canada. So as a player in a space, they're smaller. So you could become a dominant player in that market segment, less so in the student housing and the seniors' residence, because we do have quite a few of those. I'm speaking more so in the data center life sciences, and I would say the self-storage area. So the emerging trends, I really think, is probably, if you're thinking about it, now's the time to start really looking at getting in because of the size of the market competition becomes relatively stiff relatively quickly. That is very good. And what would you recommend to listeners who are looking to diversify their investment portfolio into alternative assets? Uh, Well, understand the asset, know the asset, do your research and uh, seek out professionals that have some experience. I know this sounds like a shameless plug for brokerage, but uh, you know, make sure that you're speaking to the, the right advisor. You might not want to engage in your neighbor. You might want to do your research. Reach out to folks like myself and or some of my competitors in our other offices in our other markets and say, who do you know in that market that does manufactured housing or has some experience in it? And the nice thing is with uh, a lot of these national groups, our reach is quite large. So we have the right advisors in the right markets that can help you. In addition to that, by understanding the assets, the internet is a wonderful place. It's a terrible place, but it's a wonderful place at the same time. You can do a lot of research on your own. LinkedIn is a goldmine for some good information. Be wary of some certain asset classes. Like if we're talking about palliative care or anything that has to do with the delivery of healthcare services. A lot of that stuff, of course, is controlled and dictated by the provincial government. In some instances, they're going to dictate how care is delivered. So that can make an impact on the the potential profitability of the center and and the returns that you will get on your investment. Okay. Uh, Talking about research, uh, can one use chat GPT to do research on alternative assets? Would you recommend that? Here's what I know about ChatGPT as it relates back to uh, the fact that I used it in an industry speech back in February. Things might have changed a little bit. I believe that ChatGPT, which of course is a a brand of of, of AI-generated information on the internet, it's only been populated with data up to a certain point. And back then, it only reached 2001. So it hadn't been populated up until 2002. And I look, I don't work for ChatGPT, and I certainly hope this doesn't get me in any trouble with them, but they might have updated it since then. The alternative asset space moves quickly, especially as it relates to healthcare delivery and life science spending by government. Something could be announced tomorrow uh, that might not make it into the ChatGPT. So I would highly recommend you do your own independent research on it and don't rely on AI just yet. Now, my 
13-year-old and my 14-year-old kids might think that I'm crazy for not relying on the, the technology, but you know, do your own research, especially when you're looking at investing the type of dollars that would take to get into this space. That's true. So you mentioned that the alternative assets market moves very fast. Could you elaborate on that? It moves fast as it relates to your question about chat GPT, but also it moves fast as it relates, as I mentioned, government spending in you know the, the life sciences area could be announced by the federal provincial government tomorrow. They might be cooking something up in the, the legislature right now that we don't know about that could drastically influence our ability to either have a desire to build in a certain area. You know, maybe Kitchener-Waterloo is the next great center for your, your next big pharma uh, spend in, in Ontario. Maybe it's uh, in Kamloops, British Columbia. I, I really don't know. So that's that's what I mean by the speed of that asset. In addition to that, as we look at uh, the need for uh, data security, making sure that it's within Canada as opposed to you know, taking our data and holding it offsite in the United States, right? I mean, we might want to have that in the terrestrial lands of, of, of Canada as opposed to outsourcing some of that stuff. So again, those are decisions that are made and that could have a, a significant influence on, um, on, on the delivery of some of the, the needs for these services. Okay. So uh, government policy is uh, the biggest driver in terms of speed. It's a driver. It's a driver. Uh, I can't, it's a I can't driver. say it's the only driver because, hey, look, yeah. construction costs uh, are a driver. Interest rates are a driver. Yes. Uh, the availability of land are a driver. The the, the uh, employment uh, opportunities uh, are a driver. If you don't have anybody working the opportunity in, in Sault Ste. Marie, well, why would you build in Sault Ste. Marie? So it's sure. a driver. I wouldn't say it's the biggest driver. Okay. And what can one anticipate for the future of alternative assets? You may have touched on this a little bit. Um, it's a growth market uh, in, in Canada. Absolutely. You know, some of them are, are, are a little bit more than others. And again, some of that for me would be anecdotal. If I was to say that medical and dental was the least attractive opportunity, I'm sure I'd get somebody mad at me. I'm not saying that by any stretch, but it's a growth market in Canada. The real estate isn't there to catch up to the demand just yet. So it's absolutely a growth opportunity. If you can control it now, you're in a better position than perhaps having to build and buy and compete with those who want to get into the space in the future. Okay, that's very good. And one last question, Juan. In what ways do alternative assets align with uh, sustainability? You know what? That's a tough one for me to answer. And the only reason I say that is what's sustainable about a first-generation self-storage unit that's built in a farmer's field uh, versus a, a third-generation, climate-controlled, fully-lit, safe-secured uh, self-storage facility in the middle of a major metropolitan center. Well, there's everything to do with it, right? The operation of the building, the climate control that they have, the uh, you know the the automatic lights as it relates to um, you know daylighting windows. I mean, the, you can, I don't think you can use ESG as a as a blanket term without having to put together another 45 minute uh, a podcast around how ESG uh, sustainability. Can, can can work for each individual segment. So, I mean, I've just given you one on um, self-storage, but if it's healthcare, so medical dental, maybe that's got a lot more to do with UV lighting in the HVAC system in order to eliminate any airborne pathogens that could cause illness because you're at the doctor's office, right? So it's a broad term 
that I don't think you can compare each one of the assets to one another within the, the scope of alternative assets. Just know, I guess, and you're, for your listeners, that when developing them and constructing them, that and it depends on who the end user is, they will have targets, they will have goals that they need to meet, and you will have to take that into consideration. Uh, shameless plug, Collier's project leaders could always help you with a lot of that stuff. We have healthcare professionals and experts in that scope that uh, are available for our clients when they're looking at making those decisions. It is a great question, Mateo. I just think it would involve a lot more. In fact, you should probably reach out to our project leaders team for one of your calls for a follow-up. Definitely going to do that. Well, that's good. Well, Warren, a very insightful conversation. I learned a lot here. You, you brought out so many nuggets. I have to go back and listen. Well, hey, it's my pleasure. Again, I think this is something that um, as a as a full-service commercial real estate firm, we're enterprising and we want to make sure that we deliver the right service and messages to our clients that uh, you know if, if this can be used by us and our competitors in order to offer a good service to the clients and great happy to do it glad to be here that's good that's awesome well we're in our next chat with you uh we'll see you tomorrow yeah I'll see you tomorrow man yeah <laughs> have a good one okay thanks mateo okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.